0: All right. Yeah. This morning, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a message, um, and the title of the message is "Sharper than a Two-edged Sword." Sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, if you know, if you know, um, if you know your Bible or you know that reference, um, I'm referring to a scripture which I'm gonna read a little bit later, which is in Hebrews. But it's referring to the word of God being like a double-edged, like a sharp, two-edged sword that cuts. And I'm going to get to that verse just a little bit later. For the Montague guys, and for the, it's it's holiday, so like uh, those that were not here on lo- last Sunday, I preached a message about how to read, how to read your Bible, how to interpret your Bible, and I and I mentioned that we need to look at the context. So if and, and so today's message is not necessarily building on last week's message. So if you did not hear last week, don't stress. I'm not going to make it um, that difficult. But if last message was a last week's message was about how, how we need to get into the Bible, today's message is, message is about how do we get the Bible into us. And because I find, for me personally, that's the more difficult part. Maybe for some of us today, the more difficult part is to actually just get into the Bible. But once you start getting into the Bible, you you start realizing, hang on, hang on, this is, sometimes I'm reading and I'm just reading and nothing happens, but other times I'm reading and and the Spirit of God is, is there, the presence of God is there, and when you read the Bible, whoa, God suddenly starts to speak to you. So it's one thing to get into the Bible, but it's another thing to allow the Bible to get into you. And today, that's what I'm going to talk about. The Bible is this amazing book. It's got 40 authors that were inspired by God Himself, and, and the, the authors were fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, shepherds, um, kings, prophets, a, a host of... A host of people and a host of guys that from different, from dif- different backgrounds, different um, cultures, different understandings, different. And, and somehow the Holy Spirit inspired them to write one story. And, and I would, I'm sure that all of us would agree today that we agree that the Bible is the Word of God. If you just look at all the prophecies in the Bible, we, of which most, I think, I, I, I don't have the, the, the figure in front of me, but most of the prophecies in the Bible are fulfilled. There are a few that still need to be fulfilled when Jesus is coming back and inaugurates the final reign of His kingdom, which is the topic that I'm not going to go into today. But, but do you, are we in agreement that the Word of God is the word of God. Scripture is breathed out by God. Let's look at what 2 Timothy 3 verse 15 says. Um, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Now you must remember, the co- again, the context that the New Testament was not yet written uh, or the canon of Scripture was not yet formed. So when when... Paul is writing to Timothy, who is acquainted with the sacred writings. He's actually referring to the Old Testament, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I don't know about you, but I want to be wise For salvation. I want to be wise for salvation. I don't want knowledge or just a theory. I want to be wise for, I want to be able to live my life to the max for God. Amen. I want my life to count. I want my life at the end of the day. I want God's judgment over my life to be one of well done, good and faithful servant. And I think if we want that, if that is our desire, that at the end of the day, we find God's judgment over our life to be one of, well done, my good and faithful son. Well done, my good and faithful daughter. Then we need to be wise for salvation. And if we want to be wise for salvation, we need to pay attention to what Scripture is saying. Not just know theoretically what the Bible says. Someone can... All of us know God loves me, God loves us, but some of us know that God loves us. I've heard a story about a guy who performed Psalm 23 in a theater, and he would perform Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and he, he did it so magnificently that the that the. Every time he did it, the audience would just like, they would be on their feet and they would be cheering and they would be clapping hands because this guy, he did it so brilliantly. And then one day he did it and then afterwards an old lady came up on the stage and she took the mic out of his hand and she started reading Psalm 23. And there was this hush, there was this silence over the audience as she read Psalm 23 and, and this guy, he was, um, he was shocked because never in his life has, has his performance of Psalm left such an impact and all she did was she read Psalm 23 and she went to this lady afterwards and he went to this lady and he said, please tell me what did you do? And she said, I know the shepherd of Psalm 23. And the difference was one guy who did a magnificent theory and, and who read a beautiful thing, but on the other hand, there was a lady there was who knew the shepherd of Psalm 23. We can know Psalm 23 off by heart. We can, we can, but do we know the shepherd of Psalm 23? And today I wanna I wanna start with saying that the primary what is the primary purpose of scripture? What is the primary purpose of Scripture? Anyone want to take a shot? Faith? Get to you know the Father? There's no wrong answers, I think. <laughs> Let's read John 5, verse 39, verse 40. I think this, this is a rebuke that Jesus gives to the Pharisees. And He says, You search the Scriptures... Because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. In this in this rebuke that Jesus is telling to the Pharisees, I believe Jesus is also revealing to us the primary purpose of Scripture, which is to reveal Christ, to reveal Jesus. To reveal the Father, to reveal the Holy Spirit, to reveal who God is. And by revealing, I'm not saying a theoretical knowledge of what the scriptures, a theory of, by, 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 by revealing Jesus, I mean uh, you see Jesus in your heart. Because you can read the Gospels, you can, there's a picture of Jesus, but, but by reading the Gospels does not mean that you will get saved, that you'll become born again. You need to see Jesus in your heart. And the primary purpose of Scripture is to reveal Jesus to us, to reveal who God is to you and to me. The goal of Scripture is not knowledge, or I should say not a theoretical knowledge, We do not read the scriptures to know more about God. If Philip invites me for dinner, I don't go to Philip so that I can know more about Philip. If Philip invites me to dinner, I'm going because I want to know Philip. I don't want to know more about him. Yes, I will get to know more about him. But I'm I'm interested in the relationship. So we're not reading scriptures so that we can know more about God. Yes, in the process, we will learn more about God. But the goal of scripture is relationship. It's intimacy with God. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me. Yet, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. But knowledge in itself can be deceiving. It can be empty. There might be someone who knows more about the Bible than all of us combined, and yet they do not know the Lord. That's possible. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 to 3 says, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Knowledge in itself, if you can know all the facts about Jesus, knowledge in itself is empty. It will only puff you up. But then there's a different kind of knowing, and we see this in 1 John 5, verse 20. And it says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, and we know, and we know, so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal, He is the true God and eternal life. The point of knowledge is so that it will lead to intimacy. A lot of married couples are here today, and and I think back when I got to know my wife. As I got to know her, I really wanted to get married to her. That's knowledge that leads to a greater relationship. That's the point of what God is trying to do with us and why He's given us Scripture is He's given us knowledge, but the point is so that it can lead to a greater relationship. Not so that I can sit in the morning and say, after I've read my Bible, tick, I've done my duty for the day. I've got my food for the day. Even maybe how we approach a Sunday. Christopher, thank you for your message. Now I'm filled up for the week. No, the point is that that even today will lead you into a greater revelation of who God is. And the purpose of that revelation is so that you can walk in intimacy with God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, until next Sunday. I want to read you Matthew 1, verse 24 to 25. When Joseph woke from his sleep... Uh, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. That word in verse 25 for new is the same word that what we've been reading in the scripture as no. In the Greek it's the same word. But I think all of us know that the, the second word in verse 25, but he knew or not, does not refer just to knowing. Something, something deeper. It's referring to, to an intimacy between, between a husband and a wife. And it says that Joseph did not know his wife in this way until she had given birth to a son. It's interesting that the Bible uses the word for intimacy is knowing. And it's not a mistake that the Bible does that. It's because our knowledge of God, is, it's supposed to lead us into intimacy. It's supposed to lead into a relationship. And I want to give you an example. Like God is here today and He's speaking to us, hopefully. Hopefully He has been speaking to you even before the service started, someone greeted you and you felt the love of God. Maybe during worship, the Holy Spirit came and spoke to you in your heart. You had you, God showed a scripture to you, or thoughts came into your mind about, I need to forgive that person, or thank you, Lord, for that you are my provider. Or Emka shared a testimony and you heard the Holy Spirit speak to you. Do not worry, trust God. I hope that by now. That that for all of us, and even through me sharing from the Bible, that God is speaking to us. And so God is speaking to us, but then you actually sit with a choice to, to, to receive what God is saying or to not receive what God is saying. And when you receive what God is saying, you are transformed and you, and it goes into your heart, it goes into your life and it transforms you. But you can hear today and you can decide to, I hear it but it's. I'm only hearing it with my ears, I'm not hearing it with my heart. And what happens when you hear with your ears only and not with your heart is, is the information merely stays information. And actually what happens is your heart becomes callous to the Word of God. Your heart, word, heart. Your heart hardens towards the Word of God. So when you, when when God speaks, you, whether it's your quiet time, whether it's when you're reading a Bible, wherever it is, whatever it is, whenever God speaks, you sit with a decision: Am I going to receive this? With my ears and my heart? Or am I going to hear this with my ears only? And so whenever God speaks. You are either better off. Because you've received in your heart what God has said. Or you find yourself in a place where your heart is hardened. Because you heard with your ears. But you decided this is not going into my heart. And. The next time when that God wants to speak that truth to you, it will be harder for you to hear that truth because the previous time God spoke a truth to you, you decided to harden your heart. Does that make sense? So I'm also in a sense actually saying we need to be careful in what we do with what we hear. If we only... Yeah, there's a scripture that says, if we become ever yearing help my imant, Never, is that a scripture? Where's that? It's a scripture where we, it speaks of, we become ever yearing but our hearts become dull, hardened. God, Whenever God speaks to you, you have a choice. To either believe what God is saying and to agree with what God is saying and what happens is your heart becomes soft and it becomes more easy for you. But let's say this week, tomorrow, tomorrow's Monday and you read your Bible and nothing happens. Guess what? It's going to be harder for you to open your Bible on Tuesday because on Monday you only listen with your ears and not your heart. And I want to say that this morning that I think that the, the most, maybe I've said this of other things as well, but <laughs> the most dangerous thing on the path of a Christian is, uh, is your hardened heart. A, a heart that has become calloused, a heart that is hard. And in my life, I think back there, there have been moments and there have been times in my life. Where my heart has been hardened. But never have I thought about myself in the moments if I reflect back, that in that I've never I've never seen that I'm hardening my heart. I can only reflect back to moments where I've realized afterwards my heart has been hardened because I I received the word of God, but I did not obey it, or I did not receive it in faith. Hebrews 3 verse 12 to 16. Is a, is a beautiful scripture, but also a, a scary one as it throws a warning to us. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an, un, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. I wanna say there that that scripture scares me because that scripture tells me the possibility exists that I might fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. Sin doesn't come, ha ha, ha I'm the devil. And then, sometimes he does that. But, but sin, in my life, sin comes sneaky. It's like, and the next moment you're like, How did I find myself in the situation where I am being tempted by this thing? Sin comes sneaky. And it's like C.S. Lewis once said that the devil... He's not going to throw sex, drugs, and rock and roll at you if, if he can tempt you with cards. If cards will get you to derail, he will use cards. He's not interested in how bad he can be. He just wants, he wants you to be unaware of him. So sin is sneaky. Love of money. It's like it comes sneaky and then it's like before you know it, you've given your heart to to 4x4 four four cars or whatever it is and it's like you realise like hang on, my faith is gone I'm far from Jesus, what happened? Oh for the last two months you've been running in your heart after 4x4s, four I'm just using or guns or something, whatever it is <laughs> bike for me, I can, it can be it can be anything but, but the, the devil actually wants you not to think he's there. And, and so he'll, he'll, he'll use things that make you think that this, this is actually possibly not the devil. This is actually maybe God blessing me or whatever it is. He doesn't want you to know he's there. So sin, be, be careful that you do not become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I'm someone who loves cycling. I've, I've seen people who have hardened their hearts because they've given their hearts to cycling. I've seen, they've left the church, they, they've left the faith just because they've given their hearts to something else. And it started off innocently. It started off, and I've, I felt it in my, recently I went on, on a trip and, and I came back and I'm like, sure, there's an there's a allurement in this thing and, and it's sneaky and it's subtle. And if you give your heart over to it, it will run. It will spread like a wildfire. And before you know it, you're like, how did I end up in this place where my faith is dead, my love for God is dead. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to go to community anymore. You've given your heart to another love. Your heart has become hardened. Verse 14. For we share in Christ. If, say with me, if. Indeed, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I know there's this massive debate in Christianity about can you lose your salvation or can you not? Um, I'm not interested in that debate today. Uh, Once when I was a Bible school student, I was very interested in this debate and everyone was. But when I'm reading the scripture, it says to me, Christopher, if if you do not hold till the end, Goodbye, bye bye, see you later. And no, not see you later, see you never, and no be- no luck next time because there's no next time. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the faith now, and scripture warns me that I need to stay in the faith. And if I don't stay in the faith, I say don't if I don't continually give my heart to the Lord and live for Jesus. If I do not do that, the possibility is there that I might fall away, I might slip out of my calling and my purpose, and I might even slip out of heaven. Yes, there are other scriptures that tell me on the other side that I'm secure. And, and as I stand here today, I am secure in my salvation. I believe I am a born-again Christian. But that means I'm still heeding. God would not, why would God warn me if it's not possible? And it says, verse 15, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For verse 16, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses, led by Moses? I'm going to ask you a question. Was it God's plan and God's purpose For only two guys of that generation to enter the promised land. Or was it God's purpose for the whole generation to enter the promised land? Who says everyone? Who thinks everyone? I might be wrong, but I think everyone as well. But it says of a whole generation, only two people entered the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses. So I believe that if we, we need to pay careful attention to the condition of our heart, because if, we, if our hearts do not remain soft to the Lord, we might miss the purpose and the calling of God for our lives. If you're sitting here and you're hearing me speak today, you have a calling and a purpose of God on your life. And the way that you respond to God in every moment that He speaks to you, determines whether you're going to walk in your calling and your promise and the purpose that God has for you. Today, you're hearing God speak. What are you going to do with it? Are you, going to, are you going to say, yes, God, I agree in faith with what you are saying, or are you going to go, wow, that was a nice preach, and I'm glad I heard it, and you know, I think I'm going to send it on to that guy because he needs to hear how Christopher says that. I'm telling you, as a preacher, it's the, it's the easiest temptation. It's to, it's to read your Bible and to think, this guy in the church needs to hear that this. And you get to a place where you've got a word for everyone, but the Lord is not speaking to you. And that's, that's a scary place. That's a dangerous place. That's a hypocritical place. Because God is, God is rebuking everyone else but you. I love what David says in Psalm 139. At the end, it says, "Search me, Yerushuqmai, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts." Do you agree that God has got access to see everything in our lives? Amen. And so David says, "God, I come before you, and I'm inviting you willingly." to seek my heart, to to see into me, is there anything in me that brings this pleasure to you, God? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This for me speaks about posture. What is the posture that you and I have when we come to the Word of God and actually when we come to God Himself? What is the posture? Is it a posture of one where, Lord, I'm sitting under Your Word, I'm I'm bringing my life under Your Word, or is it just this distant posture that, yeah, the Bible is the Bible and... I've got my scripture for the day, so I'm good. For me, the posture that we need to have when we come to the Bible, to the Word of God. Who has been operated by an expert surgeon? Anyone else? Warren? All right. What do you do? You you get ready for the operation, whatever operation it is. And, and you allow, in that operation, you allow them to, to put you to sleep. Nee? You allow them to put you to sleep because... <laughs> it's going to be painful, but why do you allow... Why do, you, why do there, there are two things. The reason why you go through that whole painful process, and an uncomfortable process, and, and in a sense, you actually put yourself naked at the hands and at the mercy... Of the surgeon, but number one, you get to a place where you trust the surgeon. You would not allow yourself to go under if you do not trust the surgeon. And number two, you believe that this needs to happen because if it doesn't happen, the quality of my life is gonna (laughs) deteriorate. Deteriorate, thank you, Duanate. The quality of your life is going to deteriorate. (laughs) And if I don't do this operation, I might end up just dead. And that for me is the is the posture you and I need to have when we come to the Bible, is we we come and we place ourselves at the hands of God and we say, God, you are the surgeon, and I'm not. And I trust you, Lord. I trust that you are good. I trust that through your word, you are going to make me wise for salvation and my posture is one of, Lord, I'm giving myself into your hands. You are the good surgeon. And if I do not obey your word, if I do not listen to your word, if I do not hear your word, I might just end up dead. And this is where I come to Hebrews 4 verse 12. And it's very interesting as I'm landing, that, that if you read the whole of Hebrews 3 and verse, and 4, the chapters, Hebrews 3 and 4, you can go read it. It speaks about the whole two chapters, speaks about God's rest that he has for his people. That God wants his people to enter into rest. And then he says, do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did that we just read. But then he gets to verse Verse four, verse twelve. And if you read verse twelve in the context of the of where we of of where the, this verse is in the chapter, it's almost like this verse finds itself in the wrong chapter. If you read the whole chapter of Hebrews four, you're kind of thinking, "Hang on, he's been going one thought, one th- um, strain of thought, and then all of a sudden, verse twelve comes, and you're like, 'Did, did, did.'" This verse should be somewhere else. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This verse is not in the wrong chapter. The key to not hardening your heart is to receive the word of God daily it's to allow the 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 scripture and the word of God to to come like a two-edged sword and you say I'm I'm the patient and the word of God and God through the word of God is an expert surgeon and I trust him and I'm going to allow his word to come like a sword into my life and I'm going to allow him to cut away that which is not of God So no, this verse is not in the wrong chapter. The key to having a soft heart is to receive the word of God daily. It's to to agree with God's word in faith and to say, God, I believe your word is true and I'm allowing it to cut into me. Last week, I, I preached on King Josiah, the king in Israel who was eight years old when he became the king. And this is what, at the end of of his life at one point. This is what is said over, um, over him. Uh, 2 Kings 22 verse 19. Because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its, and against it, its inhabitants that they should become a desolation and a curse and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you declares the Lord. Our posture when we come before the word should be one. It's like when I read the Bible and 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 I'm spiritually in a good place. When I read the Bible, I'm more convicted of sin. I'm more convicted I, I'm seeing things that God is showing me, but it's it's a beautiful aina. It's a, because God is re, removing he's removing things from me that is trying to steal my heavenly glory. That, that operation you're having is aina now, but it's actually good for you. And in the same way, if we allow the word of God to cut into our lives, it's aina, but it's aina that, that will pay back 100 times more than what we give up. Because it's, a, it's heavenly glory that God is actually Preparing for us. So when, he, when God addresses things in our lives, it's Aina, it's, but it's good. And so today I want to ask you, do you trust the surgeon's hands? Do you trust God? And do you realize that if you do not trust Him, if you do not allow yourself to be put on the operation table of His word, do you realize that, that you might just end up dead you might just end up dead. Maybe for some of us, God has, has become quiet. Or when you open your Bible in the mornings, it's like you're reading. It could have, you could just have well read something else because it's just, it's just you're reading. The words are not alive. It's not because the words are not alive. It's because your heart is hard. And Josiah, last week I spoke about Josiah, his father and his grandfather was evil. They did not pay attention to God or his word. So when Josiah becomes king at the age of eight, one guy, um, he discovers the the law of God and and it's read. And Josiah's like, sure, we are in big trouble because we have disobeyed this law. And this verse says, because Josiah... He, he repented. He turned back to God. And because he turned back to God, a whole nation turned back to God. But I want to I ask you today, if, if you find your Bible to be dead, it's not because the, your Bible's dead or you need a new translation. I've, the, the, the classic thing that people do is when your Bible's dead, like I'm going to buy a new Bible. <laughs> and maybe that might just kickstart your repentance, but... You, you don't need a new Bible. <laughs> you need a new heart. You need to come back to God and, and repent and bring yourself before Him. And you'll find when you, when you repent before God, you'll find the words of Scripture become alive. All right, so I'm going to close this and, and land this. Let, let's, let's stand. Just for a moment, just say, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Is there anything in me, God, that... That's wicked, that's grievous. Is there one piece of my heart that's hardened? I want to ask you how, how are you experiencing your times with the Lord on a daily basis? If you're saying to me today, Christopher, I'm not finding any joy. In reading my Bible, I'm not experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit when I'm reading the Scriptures. Because that's what God has for you. God has for you a a place where you experience Him daily. And that whenever you open His Word, you will find His presence. And if that's not where you find yourself, God is not here to say, oh, you wicked person. God is saying, now I've got so much more for you. Would, you. would you return? Would you come back to me and and just once again give your heart to me? Would you, would you just once again open up your life and your heart so that I can come in there? Because I've got so much more for you. I want to pour out my spirit and my presence and my love and my joy. I want to pour it over you. But you'll never see it, you'll never feel it, you'll never experience it. As long as your heart remains in the condition of, 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 of the way it currently is. Just for a moment, would you pray that pray with me? Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Search me, O oh God. Show, God, show me the condition of my heart. Show me the condition of my heart. Show me the condition of my heart. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Show me the condition of my heart. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us, Lord. You love us the way we are, but you love us too much to leave us the way we are. You love us in a jealous, pursuing life, Lord. You want the very best for us. Like a good father you, you've, you just want the very best for each one of us. There's not one of us that you wish that we would miss out on our calling, on our purpose. No, you, you died for every single one of us. Your heart yearns jealously that every person in this room today would know, would know, would know the love of God. Take us deeper, Lord, into your, your arms. Take us into a greater revelation of who you are. Transform our theory into experience. Transform that we would not just hold on to an empty theory, but that we would step into a place where we want to taste and see that God is good. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is convicting you of, of in some way having a hardened heart, Would you just respond by by stepping out of your chair? Just forward, I just want to pray with you. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Just take a step forward. I know it takes a bit of boldness, but repentance in itself is something that takes a little bit of guts to do. Do not fear man, fear God alone. Worship You, Lord. Just inviting You to come forward and to say, God, here's my heart. Here's my heart. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Awaken my heart. Awaken my soul. Awaken me, O Lord. If that is Your prayer today, if if, if the joy is gone from your quiet times, if you are finding your quiet times empty and dead, just won't you come forward and say, God, here I am. I want to ask you to come. I want to pray for us. I think there's more people that need to respond today. Do not harden, like I said, do not harden your heart today when you hear the word of the Lord. That's the scripture. Do not harden your heart. It will become more difficult to return to Him. It will become more difficult to repent the next time. If you are sensing a nudge of the Holy Spirit now, do not wait, respond. Do not wait, Respond. Do not ignore it but respond. As you voel work with you, as you voel the Lord you, you must not ignore it. You must not think I'm going to raise alone go and pray and it's sorted the because I'm scared what Now respond before the Lord today. Yes Lord, yes Lord. I'll give another moment, guys. Are there else come and some respond? Worship you Lord. Holy Spirit, you are so faithful, so kind, so good. Yes, coming forward there's a bit of an aina to it, but it's it's the that's ultimately good for me. It's an aina that ultimately it's the that, aina that saves me in the long run. So you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you not you can't, you can't, you can't, you you can't, you long not so is there anyone else that, that feels the Holy Spirit leading them to respond today? I don't want to miss you in this moment. I don't want to lose you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. One last opportunity. Sorry for laboring, but, but I, I don't want to miss anyone. There's so, another one that will respond. Do not harden your heart. Do not think that I will get another. Sometimes, yeah, God is a God of second chances. But, but yes, so it needs to be a conscious, Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. See, I first on, jou net cannot se all hier is ek, Lord. You here I am. Just you and God. I'm not going to come and pray for each one. Just you and God. Just say, Lord, here I am. I'm coming back to you. Coming back to you, Lord. Soften my heart. My heart You might not even know how it got hard. You might not even. But that's not important. The only thing that is important is that in this moment, God is standing before you full of love, full of grace. And He says, receive my spirit. He's breathing His spirit back into you. And He's saying, you are my beloved. You are my chosen child, my son, my daughter. I've got so much good things planned for you. For it's such great calling and purposes on your life. And so Lord, I pray for every single person that, that that took the step to respond to You today, Lord, that You would right now restore and revive, awaken in Jesus' Name. Come and restore, revive and awaken, Lord. Bring back to life that which is dead. Back to life that which is dead. Thank you, Lord. You are so kind and so gracious. Your word says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. As they get back into your word, that it will be alive and active. Sharper than a two-edged sword. That our hearts would be soft. That the word of God would get into our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your incredible love. Lord, I pray for each one of us that's here in this place today, that we would find our our times with you every day full of joy, full of life, full of your presence. That every time that we open the Bible, every time we open the Scriptures, that we would hear you speak clearly to us, Lord het ons nie duidelik sal oorpraat, in die naam van Jesus. Amen en Amen.